Hey, caffeinators. Welcome to the Vet Tech Cafe. The Vet Tech Cafe is a podcast centered around veterinary technicians and nurses, hosted by myself, Dave Cowan, and my good friend, Jeff Backus. We strive to discuss current issues facing our profession and give our colleagues a voice and a medium to enter into these discussions. Our guests are experts in the veterinary field that we hope can help our listeners work towards dealing with these issues, as well as coming up with solutions that can lead to change. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the Vet Tech Cafe, please contact us at vettechcafe at gmail.com, or you can find us at our website, vettechcafe.com. One thing we would ask of you, our listeners, is to rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. We're not exactly sure how or why this helps us, but apparently it does. So without further ado, come on in, grab yourself a cup of coffee, and get ready for another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe. Hello, caffeinators. Dave, we're actually uh, recording a later episode tonight. It's 6.30, my time out here on the West Coast, and for our guest, too. Uh, it's a little later for you. And it's yeah. 9.30 here, yeah. I, I got a shift at 7.30 in the morning, and uh, so I, I am foregoing the coffee tonight. One of the one of the few times that I'm not going to have a coffee uh, for the podcast. But I did get my hoodie weather from Civ of Hope, so I'm, nice. I had that this morning. Nice. It was really good. If you, if you guys out there listening have not found Sip of Hope, go get their coffee there it's it's fantastic yeah it's absolutely cause, so yeah they're they're very good definitely recommend checking them out i think it's sip of hope.com is that right check them out yep yep check them sip out for sure com. so um you were just at ncvc at the north carolina veterinary conference how was that it was pretty good i was there for uh the company i work for action vet tech services and it, it's amazing that you know we've been around for a few years now and it's amazing how many people came up and said what is this i didn't know that relief vet te- veterinary technician services was a was a thing and, and we, we kind of equated to like you know there's relief veterinarians there's now also relief yeah. technicians so i think we made a lot of headway with just exposure and, and people understanding that we as technicians can be relief relief workers as well which yeah absolutely i think, I think that's uh that's great exposure a but also b just for people to figure out that that kind of thing exists and I, i'm sure i mean you guys are are based I th- you're based in raleigh right that's that's kind of home if you will Ra- raleigh durham yeah yeah but we go we go all over the state you think of like an la a new york a chicago seattle san francisco like big cities this kind of thing should should be able yeah. to exist and and so you know, I, I think that's definitely a, a really great option for a lot of people, and so I'm stoked you got you got some good exposure. Yeah, it was it was and it's weird to be like at a conference not going to <laughs> lectures. Like, <laughs> I was just at the booth the entire time. I'm like, this is kind of weird that I don't even yeah, know when yeah. classes and, are. And a good turnout, and <laughs> it was. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously the the numbers I think were probably down from years past, but. I mean, still sure, a lot of nice, people come through. Nice. What else is going on out there? Anything? Did my one race. I got another one in three weeks. Nice. So <laughs> that's that's my focus right now. And as we, as we were saying before we started recording, I'm, yeah. I'm going on a vacation. Very good. Taking some good time to off. hear. Good to hear. That's yeah. awesome. How are you guys doing out there? Uh, we're good. It's hot. My goodness. Today it was like 91 degrees. It's mid-November. I, 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 I Global warming is a thing, guys. N- <laughs> no, thank you. I, I don't I don't want it. Um, I think tomorrow is even supposed to be warmer, Oof. which is a huge downer. But otherwise, I mean, like, really, if that's all I have to complain about, I'm doing all right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, yeah, it's uh, it was a nice day and um, would have been nice to not be inside working. But, you know, so be it. Take the good. I mean, you're going to have another great day tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. 
We have our uh, our fluid therapy series coming up with VSPN yep. in January. Yep. Um, I know that's going to open. The course is going to open for. I don't think it's open for enrollment quite yet. Not yet. No, I think but it's. It, but uh, it should be a few weeks away at least. Yeah, it should be in the next few weeks, and we'll have a giveaway uh, for a couple registrations for that caffeinator. So we have two for each of our talks, right? Two for each. Yeah, you're doing a, a talk on transfusions, transfusions, and I'm doing yeah. fluid therapy. Um, so we're each just doing one one session, but we each get to give a couple away a couple of registrations and we had we had great turnout for that last year that was yeah we did i was amazed at how many people signed up to to hear us talk <laughs> yeah no kidding i i'm i'm, I'm amazed at how many people download this I know. podcast every other week <laughs> I know, and, and this is free and and the vspn series they gotta pay for <laughs> yeah yeah so um so super cool so keep an eye out for that um we'll have some giveaway information uh coming up before too long we'll have it on our social channels, it'll be on our website, yep. vettechcafe.com. Otherwise, what do you think, Dave? Should we just get rolling on yeah, tonight's episode or, or this today's is, episode, this I is guess? one of our is, episodes but... that was, uh, you know, we actually listened to one of our guests that, that said, hey, you should get this person on. So yeah, this is yeah, one of the, I, one I, of the first ones that we've actually listened to our guests and said, let's get this person. Let's, let's, get, going. let's get this person <laughs> on board. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. Uh, we have Nicole Dickerson coming by the Vet Tech Cafe today. Um, she's been working in the Bay Area as an RVT for the last 11 years. Before then, and part of what we're going to talk about tonight, she had a completely separate career working as a freelance equity stage manager um, for theaters such as the Berkeley Repertory Theater, American Conservatory Theater, and so forth. Uh, but after volunteering at the San Francisco SPCA Cat Claw Clipping Clinic, wow, that's a mouthful. Well done. <laughs> um, she decided to return to school and graduated from Carrington College's Vet Tech uh, program in 2010. As many of us do, immediately found her niche, which was emergency and critical care. So became a VTS in ECC in 2018. She lectures, she's doing webinars, symposia, all of those kinds of things, loves to talk about respiratory stuff, anesthesia, toxicities, which of course is my jam. And uh, she serves on the CVMA's House of Delegates and RVT committee, which is super cool. It's been in the NAVTA journal. Um, she co or, or hosts the podcast Cat Disgusted. We're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Um, and then has also done work as a volunteer anesthetist for the Humane Society of the United States Spayathon for Puerto Rico. So busy, busy, super cool stuff. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so Nicole, thank you so much for taking some some time out of your Thursday evening for for it is when we're recording to join us. What can we get you for a cup of coffee? Oh man, guys! I mean, I ha I have to say, I'm I'm. I'm stoked to be answering this question. <laughs> now, I too, like Dave, I have to, my, my schedule's different now. I, I have to wake up early mm. morn. Um, so, you know, but let's just forget about that for a moment. Yeah. We'll go with the coffee. So my friends and family who are listening to this episode, it will not surprise them that I'm going to have a cortado. Jeff and what Dave. is a cortado? That, that's going to be new for the menu. You'll have to explain that. I thought that. that might be. So, okay. So a cortado is a short latte is the best way that I can describe it. So it's like a double espresso and there's a little bit of steamed milk in there, a little bit of tiny bit of foam. But here's the thing. It's got to be in one of those little like shot glass sizes. Don't give me my cortado in like a cafe au lait size oh, okay. glass. That's just okay. That's like one of those little fancy mugs that like your pinky finger can't even fit through oh, the... Yes. Yes. <laughs> it, it's so stylish. Yes. And it's actually, it's funny. It has a different name depending in what country you're in. So in Puerto okay. Rico, it's a cortado. And here it's sometimes called a Gibraltar. And it's because the glass that it comes in is a Gibraltar. Oh. And when I was in... Spain, it was a cortado in Barcelona, I think, but when we were in like the Catalonian mountains, they called it a tayat, which is Catalonian for 
cortada oh, or short oh, wow. latte. What, is, what does cortada mean? Is that what's the translation of that? You know what? I don't. I don't really know. Short what coffee. Cortado, short, short latte. Yeah. <laughs> It's internationalese for short latte. <laughs> yeah. It means that you can drink a strong coffee drink, but not like have to pee for like every hour on the hour for six hours. That's my key. Nice. <laughs> nice. <the> coffee. <laughs> so, you know, we're going to touch on a lot of, of your kind of background before veterinary medicine and transition into that. But if you don't mind, first off, if you don't mind taking us through kind of your vet tech career and some of your stops along the way. And then we'll jump off from there. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I came to veterinary medicine, I mean, relatively late. Like, I was in my mid-30s, I think, when when I started, or, or early 30s when I started vet tech school, which made me, like, maybe this, I think I was the oldest in the class by, or maybe second second to the oldest in the class by, like, a year or something. Because um, most people are a lot younger when they start yeah. doing this. But I had already been doing something else for, you know, 10, 11 years. And I was ready to transition into like kind of like make another move and and go from nonprofit theater stage management into animal medicine, which really, when you think financially, is a completely lateral yeah. move. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, sounded like a good idea at the time. Yeah. So, you know, I so I was stage managing in the Bay Area for, you know, for, for about 10 years, like right out of college. And the, and but the stage management world, I mean, that's a that's kind of like a rough gig. Like you really get you really only get one day off a week because you're always dark on Mondays, but you're working all weekends. Your schedule is kind of weird because it's you're a slave to the rehearsal schedule, which changes every day. Your tech rehearsal period, which is just before opening, those are all scheduled as 10 to 12 hour days. But stage managers are always there like two hours before and two hours after. Mm. So you have to right. Wow. So you have to consider your your nine to 10 days before opening is like, you know, like these ridiculously long days. And then you go into previews. And I always thought previews were like stage manager torture because you have rehearsal during the day, but then you're have an audience, a paying audience at night. So you're rehearsing like, you know, stage management is probably going to be there from like nine or 10 in the morning till you get your break where you have to have a break where you kind of will hopefully eat something before the house opens, which is usually like, you know, say like seven or seven o'clock, seven thirty or something. So then and then the audience comes in, which is a fresh face. They don't know that you've been there all day. <laughs> There's no mercy. Like you have to perform <laughs> like, you know, you have to do it. And like usually the way the tech rehearsal goes, that's the part of rehearsal where you're writing all the lighting cues, where the sound is getting coordinated. All the costumes are going on. You're stopping and starting all the time. And stage managers are the ones who are like talking into them. They're like w what we call the God mic. You're talking into the mic saying like, OK, hold right mm -hmm. there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go back to the scene. Blah, 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 blah. We're going to try this sequence. And then you on your headset are talking to like, you know, up to 20 people that are backstage being like, okay, I'm going to try this thing. I'm going to try this. And then I'm going to go off this. Are we ready for this? So we set up this thing. Okay, great. Okay, everybody go and go. And then the stage manager has to call the sequence of light cues and sound cues that happen with whatever stage event wow. it is, musical number or whatever. But if you get it right, here's the thing. <laughs> if the stage manager coordinates right, this whole moment, right? Like think of like the barricade entering in Les Mis, right? Like dun, 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 two hydraulic things coming in, flags coming in, smoke, actors, turntable, dun, dun, dun. And then you do it and you say, okay, hold okay, we're going to try a sequence one more time and then we're going to change this thing and change this and then we're going to move on. Okay, so you maybe change like one thing in that sequence. Mm. So done, done, here it comes again. Da, 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 da. And you get it right. 
the stage managers probably called like 25 cues in sequence and they say, great, moving on. You never get to do it again mm. <laughs> until the audience is there. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so stage managers rehearsal is always in front of paying customers, which I thought was really, you know, I, I thought, I thought it was, I mean, it's an adrenaline rush. That's why you mm-hmm. do it is because it's like, you know, you know, you know that you did it once before. You'll probably get it right the second time. Probably. Hopefully. But if you don't, you have to think on your feet. Hopefully. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes you don't and you have to think on your feet and you have to go on to the next thing. So anyway, so, I mean, that's the the level of stuff that's going on. And then you have one day off a week. I can see the parallels between that and emergency. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, for sure. We'll get to that. Yeah. We'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get there. This is, a lo- this is a long road that I've taken in these years. But, you know, I, but you're right. See, I, I think just talking about it, like both people who like and now, of course, I've got friends from different walks of life, like, you know, from the theater world and then also from veterinary world. And whenever I start talking about like what I'll usually refer to as my former life, like when I was stage managing, people in vet tech world are like, oh, whoa. Yeah, it kind of makes sense why you're here. I'm like, yeah, well, and then like and theater people, all theater people are, are you. I mean, I would say 99% of the time they're animal people. Like, you know, they all have cats. They've all got there's dogs that come to rehearsal. I mean, like it's it's a thing. And so they all also can kind of sympathize with any kind of animal emergency medicine story that I'm about to tell, you know. So so I, I do think there's a lot of parallels in there. But, you know, at the grinding schedule is really what kind of got me down. You know, I mean, like I was doing. Um, I, you know, you got the cat claw clipping clinic tongue twister in there, which is very good. There's another tongue twister in there, though, Jeff, which you skipped, which was Teatro Zinzani, which is impossible to say. Right I wasn't going to saying... even try that one. <laughs> <laughs> I often say like my bio is like a tongue twister torture, torture device. Yeah, because saying Teatro Zinzani and then having to follow it with cat claw clipping clinic in Carrington Community College is just, that's just not very nice, isn't it? <laughs> It's not very nice, but that it's literally that was a circus. So I joined the circus in my last couple of years of stage management because I was getting a little bit. I needed a more. There was more days off a week when I did that show. That I got like two or three days off a week, and it was full time, but it wasn't union. So they could, that, which meant the schedule could move around, but it also meant that I could like take a paid vacation, like they had, th- which you can't do when you're freelance. You know, like that. That's not that's not a thing because it's like you just work when the work is there but like relief the circus seemed like an attractive option at the time but because there was no union contract their days would also like as awesome as it was to have the extra day off was as long as your days were on the other side and unlike the union contracts where you have to stop at a certain time their rehearsals could be scheduled to be just till the end of time which was that's that's not very fun for anybody so I kind of knew that when I did the circus gig that it was a bit of a way to change my like to kind of change out of that career. Like I was like, things are changing. I got bored with like the nonprofit world. Now I'm doing this circus thing. It's absolutely insane. So I know that I'm eventually, this is not a forever gig. So eventually I'm going to do something else. And because I had the extra day that was off or two days that were off, I was like, oh, now I can do something else with my life, which is kind of fun, like some other project. And there was a volunteer opportunities in the feline part of the shelter at the SFSPCA. And like you literally would go and just like read the newspaper with these cats that were new in the shelter just so they got socialized <laughs> yeah, yeah and i was like oh that is a gig for me i'm just gonna yeah, sit that sounds with this like cat. my dream job <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> sit with this kitty read my paper maybe it wants a cat toy maybe it doesn't maybe it wants to sit on my lap maybe it doesn't that's totally fine i'm just yeah, gonna like sit we'll here see where the, the day goes 
We'll see where the day goes. It was a heavy screening process too. Like, I mean, it was, it took, it wasn't simple. Like you didn't just sign up and go in. It was like, they had to do a background check. And I was like, oh, this is like, okay, this is a thing. So I cleared all the hoops of getting into volunteer. And uh, when I was in there, I mean, it was, it's a very like, peaceful environment where those cats are which is nice because that's like that's what you want for the kitties that are nervous but every now and then these chicks and scrubs would kind of come in the room and i could hear them like moving down the cages it'd be like oh, oh yeah this guy that's right he's got this thing going on well that's resolving now well, let's see where are we going out and one day they came to where i was where this kitty and me were hanging out and they're like oh hi sorry didn't know you were in here this one's due for his and it was some procedure thing that he was getting and i don't remember what it was it could have been. I don't think it was his neuter because they're mostly neutered by then. But like, we're just going to go ahead and take him and we'll bring him right back. Don't worry. He'll be here the next time that you're here. And these two chicks and scrubs like whisked away my little kitty friend. And I was like, who is that? Like, what are, what are they doing? What are they doing? Like, who are what, they? What do they do and back these, there? <laughs> right. And they seem so like happy. And like, they were really cute talking to all the animals before they even saw me. And they seem to have like a plan and organized and very efficient. So I started to look up like what veterinary technicians were like you know like what who those people were and how they were not veterinarians and the type of schooling that they had to do and then a friend of mine was volunteering at the cat claw clipping clinic which is that is a scene for 20 bucks you could bring your cat to the cat claw clipping clinic and no questions asked just have your cat's claws trimmed that that was the whole setup that's it the simple as that so that's all they did that's all wow. it did. It was a Saturday. It was like four or five hours or something. And it was always like jam packed with people. Like everybody bring in all kinds of states of affairs. Like, and that's all they did was just they trim, they trim nails. That's all that they did. That was all we did. That was wow. all we did. And there were people who <laughs> so were like, <laughs> that like there were the holders, people who only held. And then there were people who were the clippers. I happened to do both. So I was like valuable in that circumstance. But you know, that's how I learned how to like handle cats because like you, oh mm-hmm. man, you did not know what was coming. Oh, Sometimes yeah. there were kittens that were adorable and everything was cool. Sometimes there was this one cat that would come in. His name was Earl. I will never forget this cat. He came in this ratty stained cardboard <laughs> carrier and when he got there there'd be like a ripple of people's earls here oh god Earl, what earls here what oh earls here and the guy who brought him was like this kind of nice like librarian looking guy who always looked so guilty he was always like oh. but there were only certain people that could hold him because he was fierce like he was he was vicious that little earl he knew what was coming so i remember i had to hold cat gloves came out i'd never seen cat gloves before i'm like what are welding gloves doing here they're like oh earls, earls here so, I mean, it was it was all types of circumstances, but I found the interactions with the people and the interactions with the animals and all of that, like, totally fascinating, totally fascinating. Like, you know, and that you could kind of like play this role of because people would ha- would bring. I mean, imagine if you couldn't cut your own cat's claws. Like, you don't know what's going on. If you're coming to the cat claw clipping clinic, you, what is that? You, you don't know what's going on. So I feel like <laughs> those people would need to. They would need some help to understand. Like, you know, either they would want to do it at home and you could explain it, which was great, or they didn't at all, and so they were just thankful to just get in and get out. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. So I think that that the people part of it, I didn't realize that that was such an immense part of the veterinary technician job until I did that. And then I was like, okay, 
So this is, I think, I, I think, I think this is something I could do. And then to cap it all off, my own freaking cat got attacked by a dog in the dead of night after one of the longest circus crazy days ever. And I was so dead tired. I had to take my cat to emergency at like two in the morning. And I was mm. in a state like, I mean, I was so tired and I was just like in tears because he obviously had had a big like hole in his, in his abdomen. Like I knew something was, was very very bad and when i brought him this is still while i was volunteering at the cat clock clipping clinic but they would the sfvs was the 24-hour emergency closest to me so still living in san francisco and this girl who came to the front door to let me in she had her stethoscope on she had her hair in a very efficient ponytail she was like super nice but business like, you know, like she mm-hmm. like like she was like, oh, OK, you're the one who called earlier. Your cat was attacked by a dog. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're all oh my God. <laughs> and she took me to the exam room and we put Todd was the kitty that I had at the time. Todd out on the exam table. And she's like, oh, the old guys. I love these guys. And then she turned him over and she saw the wound on his abdomen. And she's like, oh, yep, that's a thing. OK, I'm going to go ahead and get the doctor and then we'll go. <laughs> da, 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 da. And was just I thought she was fantastic. And I wish to this day that I knew who that was because she she convinced me that 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 was a job that I wanted to do because I was like Mm. she just stage managed the hell out of my tragedy like she just vet tech stage managed me into (laughs) feeling better that he's taken care of and like things are going to be fine Mm -hmm. even though we don't really know what's going to happen thank you out there whoever that was if you remember a crying circus (laughs) stage manager in the dead of night (laughs) with a cat named Todd with a cat named Todd right that that might be easy to remember there's not many cats named Todd I know right god I hope she's out there somewhere because I mean that that was I do I do thank her for that I feel like that was the person so then I went to school yeah I figured out like hey I can go to school for like you know it was I think it's just under two years which was very attractive because I did not want to go to another four-year degree situation. I didn't really want to get a master's in anything. I just kind of wanted to like switch gears and do another thing. Despite Carrington College being like the profit institution that it is, which is a whole other thing. That's a whole other yeah. problem. Sure. Right, that's a whole other problem. But despite that, if you if you commit and you get out of it what you need, then it can be a very efficient way to get into this business. And so I went to school. I did rotations in hospitals. I did a rotation at Berkeley Dog and Cat Hospital. And Berkeley Dog and Cat happened to be where I had taken my animals before. So I knew it. And I knew some of the doctors. And they were the ones who hired me first, knowing nothing. I knew nothing. Like, I remember when they hired me, I was like, okay, I I know I'm a grown-ass person, but I don't know how to do a catheter. I don't know how to draw blood. I can hold a dog, but that's a... I don't know if it tries to get away. I might go away with it. I don't know. Like, I mean, it was... it was. I can hold them to trim the nails if you'd like. <laughs> I know! I totally said that. Only if it's a cat. I was like, cat claws? <laughs> yeah, only if it's a cat. I got it. Cat claws? I got this. Yeah. I was like, I'll, let, me t- let me tell you about a cat named Earl. I got this. <laughs> But, you know, I very much started without knowing, knowing much at all. But it was a, you know, it was a transition that I could make. Like, you know, every show is when you're stage managing, every show is different. Every cast is different. Every director is different. It's just like if there's there's people that you will see repeatedly because people will work a lot and do a lot of acting gigs or do a lot of directing gigs. You do see the same faces, but it's never the same experience twice. And I felt like Mm -hmm. veterinary medicine was kind of that same thing. It was very much like, who knows what's going to happen next. Like I remember going to get a cat that was there for vaccines and I walked in the room and he was open mouth breathing in his carrier and I didn't know anything. 
except that I knew that I'd never seen a cat do that ever. So I was like, huh, you're here for rabies. And the cat's like, like, ah, okay, I'll be right back. I'm sure the doctor will be right here. And I kind of like, you know, rushed down the hallway with this kitty. And I remember like being like, I don't think this is right. I think something is really weird here. And of course, all of the people who are in the hospital, like, you know, sprung into action. He had a really bad heart problem. It was a whole thing. But, you know, that's I was like, oh, so that can happen here, too. Cool. All right. That's that's fine. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I got that. That's fine. That's fine. Weird things all the time. Sure. That's fine. Uh, I was there for five years and then I moved on to a specialty only practice where I just did emergency medicine only because Berkeley Dog and Cat was a combo. It was GP and emergency. I learned from my mentor at Berkeley Dog and Cat Hospital, Natasha Fields. Natasha, I hope you're listening because my VTS belongs to you. Um, She (laughs) taught me everything about emergency at Berkeley Dog and Cat Hospital and taught me how to do everything and allowed me to apply for a job in a specialty only practice. And so that's where I started and I got my VTS while I was there and I've worked in a couple different it's at Sage Veterinary Centers and so I worked in a couple different locations I was at Dublin then I was at uh, Sage and Redwood City and just doing emergency like just 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 purely doing emergency some CCU and because I like anesthesia I did a lot of emergency anesthesia too Nice. Uh, which I still, which I still like to do. Yeah, yeah, I know that's that's one of those like you either love it or you hate it, and yeah, I, I always enjoyed it. It was one of those like think on your feet and like yeah. be adaptable to the situation and dynamics and all that. Yeah, I I always enjoyed it. Yeah, but I get 100%. why people don't. I like it because it, you know when you're working in a busy ER and you got something that needs like a, a procedure or needs sedation or needs a, a full on anesthesia. You get taken out of that chaos, mm-hmm. and then you get to focus all of your efforts on just one patient. <gasps> Dave, you just told the secret. Okay, that was what I used to tell people. <laughs> I love that part of it. I, I just love doing that because it's you guys deal with all the rest. Yeah, I got this one. I got this, I got this one, one guy thing. right here. When I was training people, so when I was starting to when I when I got the gig that I'm in now, and I was leaving. Redwood City, even when I was leaving Sage in Dublin, like I was really one of the only emergency techs that would do that would do emergency anesthesia. There were other people on other days of the week, but like on my days of the week, I was pretty much the only one. And like people run, people run from that gig. People do not want to do surgery late night. And so when I was training people, you'd go be in the OR and the surgeon would have his music playing. And like, you know, we'd be just kind of like chatting about the day and like, oh, where'd you just come from? Did you come? Did you have another foreign body over in Concord? Did you have da da da? And like the people I'd be training, they'd be like, this is, um, it's kind of quiet in here. I'm like, I know. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah. It's tell wonderful. Anyone. Don't tell yeah. anybody. Don't tell anyone. Yeah. Don't give away paradise. the secret. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is our little paradise we have in here for just this sad amount of time. <laughs> well, I, I think for me, my my first ER gig was, was not a specialty hospital. We were an ER hospital. So, I mean, we didn't have a surgery team that came in to do our surgeries. Oh yeah, we the doctor did, it. did yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. The doctor did it, and the techs did it. There was no, yeah. there, there was no cavalry coming yeah. in. We were the cavalry. Same, same yeah, with me yeah. too. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I've not. Yeah, so I, I think I've always been used to that. That's good, though. I mean, I feel like when the doctor that you're working with is the one that does it. I don't know. I feel like there's something. 
that like you already know that person, like you're already comfortable with them. You're already going to get a drug protocol that you've probably been familiar with. I think the on-call surgeon is a deep undercurrent of anxiety with a lot of technicians because it's going to be, it might be someone that you don't know. It might be somebody that you've never met. It's probably like, you know, surgeons, they just love to get a freaking phone call at 11 o'clock at night on a Sunday for a GDV. <laughs> That's their favorite mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're going to come in, they maybe come in kind of grumpy, you know, and if they don't see familiar faces, that's going to be anxious for them too. Yeah. You know, like yeah. they have to come in and kind of deal yeah. with this thing. And it's a, it's a two-way street too. So, you know, if you if you work with that doctor and and they know you, they're mm-hmm. going to be more comfortable. That's right. You know, like same way, you know, for us, if we're comfortable with the, the person that's going to be doing the surgery, it's the same on their side of the table as well, that they know that the patient's going to be taken care of. They can focus on what they're doing. They don't right. necessarily have to run the anesthesia show. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I kind of liked being the person that, you know, when those guys would come in, that they would see me and recognize me. They'd be like, oh, oh cool, Nicole's here. This will be fine. And, you know, I, I like yeah, that. Yeah. I was like, oh, cool. All right, this guy feels like he can really, like, do his job when I'm here. Like, you know, that 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 that's a good feeling. You're like, oh, okay, cool. This will be, we'll be all well, right. It, it, just, it just validates everything that you've learned and taught yourself and, yeah. you know, built up your career to have somebody with, with that type of stature come in and say, oh, great, you're here. Oh, Perfect. Right? That is so true. And, you know, I'm constantly in, I mean, I think part of why my career is kind of all over the place. I mean, like, you know, I, I've, I'm constantly in a place of being the one in the room that kind of knows the least. Like, I, I'm always putting myself in these situations where I'm like, what's that thing? Oh, what are we doing here? What the hell is that? So, like, you know, it's for me, it's a very familiar feeling to kind of be in a place of learning what the next thing is on my feet all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it just it just the circumstances changed, but really the tone is the same. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like actors are very similar to angry cats, you know. It's like they kind like move swiftly and with confidence and make it think it was their idea in the first place. Like that's kind of, <laughs> kind of the same across and the they board. Can, and they can ruin your day if it doesn't go right. Oh my god, that is exactly that. Now that is true, Dave. That is very very true, especially if there's a lot of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> it gets tiresome. Oh, my goodness. So where were we at my sordid path? Oh, right. So I was in emergency and I got my BTS. Ta-da. So as you guys know, that's hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that that really kind of understates it. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard. That was a rough that those two years of my life. I mean, that, that was that was all I did. Did you feel that way? Mm-hmm. Like it's like all you do is like mm-hmm. think about it. Oh, or hundred percent. Yeah. That's all I did. Yep. Yeah, I I was fully immersed in it. And thinking back to it, if I had started at the moment that I knew that I was going to go for that, if I had started studying that moment, mm. I feel like I would have been better off. But I focused I on the application and then yeah. said, okay, I passed the application. Now I'm going to study, even though you know I was doing some studying, but not to the not to the level that we were doing up until the test. Oh, yeah. it was, man. It was more of a... Too much. Too much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, was, it, was way too, it was way too much. And, and like, and I, that was the thing is I didn't know where that was going to take me. Like, I, I, I had no idea. Like, I, I was like, I'm going to do this thing because I have no excuse not to. And I'm seeing these cases and I, like, want to know this information. But you know how I got the, like, how I made this transition into research is actually related to the VTS. So, so I was in... Reno. Oh, I was speaking at the conference that you liked, Jeff, which I totally oh, yeah. agree 
creates an awesome conference, that Wild, Wild West, West conference. Fest, yeah. uh-huh. That is a rad conference. So I was yeah. there giving a couple lectures and the veterinarian who works at the research place that I'm at now saw me lecture. She saw my blood transfusion things and she came up to me afterwards and was like, you know, we've got this supervisor position open in this research facility and I think you'd be really great. You seem organized. You seem smart. You seem like you like people. And I completely wrote it off. Like I was like, oh, research, weird. Mm, thanks. <laughs> uh. But then she started to talk about like all the holidays that you get and the regular schedule and vacation <laughs> and the starting salary. And I was like, wow, why don't you write your number right here? <laughs> <laughs> what was your name again? What was your name again? Right. But I completely, I mean, I never in a million years would have thought that that's what I'd be doing now. But if I hadn't gotten my BTS, if I hadn't been lecturing in Reno, if she hadn't been at that lecture, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing the job that I'm at now. Which is, yet again, me being in the room knowing the least out of everybody else who's there. <laughs> they always say you never want to be the smartest person. Right. I, right. Well, it gets boring, right? right. Like, yeah, well, you, it gets boring. Also, yeah. you can't learn anything. And you can't, right. learn, you can't anything. learn anything. Ooh, see, that's exact. That see now that that's exactly what it is. Is that like you know? I feel like I'm always up for the next challenge. Like I always want to know what the next thing is. You know, and transitioning into a completely different sector of veterinary medicine. I was like, oh, this is, I, I think this is what's going to happen. And I'm just going to take it as far as I can and like, you know, do it as long as I find it interesting. And then we'll kind of see what happens. And I've been there for about a year and a half now. And I, I, you guys, I feel like I'm just barely scratching the surface of what this is, even though I've been there for like a whole, a whole year and a half. So, you know, we'll, we'll <laughs> see what happens. through the whole pandemic. And through the pandemic. Oh my God. My first day was like the day after lockdown. So, I mean, oh, like boy. it was a weird transition for everybody in any circumstance. <laughs> <laughs> Research was hot then because it was like, what are we going to do next? What protocols are we going to slam through to like do a vaccine to find out what this disease is? Like, I mean, that industry, even though, I mean, there's part of it where, you know, people did have to go home and sit for a year, but sure. they weren't not working during that right. time. Like, you know, like we wouldn't have the vaccine that we have unless that industry kept going. Yeah, right. true. True. So before we go down yet another rabbit hole, <laughs> we're good at that on this podcast, yeah. right? I've yes, listened to this are. podcast before. The rabbit holes yeah, are we do a lot of- and there are several more that we could go down <laughs> over the next little while here. There's so many more rabbit holes that, that are are just begging for us to jump down. One of the questions, as you know, because you've you've told us you've listened to every single episode. I have. Thank you, by the way. Oh, my God. It's yes, great. Thank you for that. It's great. You're, you're responsible for a good portion of our downloads. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so where do you see the veterinary tech, technician profession right now? So w- what do you think are some of the things we need to work on? What are some of the things that are great, that we're doing great on? Where do you see us moving forward from here? I like to think that I've got a, like a little bit of a different perspective on it just because I came to it kind of late and I came to it like, mm-hmm. you know, as a stranger, as like a second career, like learning about it kind of late in the late in late in the game really in my life you know i've i honestly feel and i've seen this happen in theater with technical theater people and with people who are just doing too much at once you know i feel like everyone is in damage control mode right now so like there it's really difficult to see a way out of the situation and by and i I feel like you know i'm I'm generalizing a little bit because i feel like you know on this podcast if you're listening to this podcast you know what i'm talking about like you know like there's we're Mm -hmm. underpaid we're overworked there's not enough of us like it's too busy curbside sucks like everybody knows all these things but this is the reality that we have to live in now so we have to adapt to what this reality is and i think that 
the problem in trying to solve the issues is that you're constantly in crisis mode. So it's like everyone when they're at work is only thinking about like the next 20 minutes because that's like, oh my God, am I going to get a drink of water? Am I, is, is that cat going to die? Am I going to be able to eat my sandwich? I mean, like, oh my God, so-and-so called out again. We have no overnight tonight. Like, I mean, like that's, that's what everyone is thinking. And so I think that the level of stress and trying to control the damage is really, really high. And I, and, and I don't know that I mean, I don't, I don't have a, like, you know, like Liz said, like, I don't have solutions. You know, I've, it's really difficult to see a way out of it, except that I think that what has to happen is we have to bring the needle out of the red a little bit so people can actually think. And like, you mm. know, people aren't learning right now. I, fi- I find that's, that's a really frustrating thing. I talked to a good friend of mine who I worked with in Redwood City, and she too came to this career later in life. This is a second career for her. And when we worked together, I would always try to show her new stuff. Like, you know, like, oh, did you know that we could do this? Did you know that you could stick a, a one mil syringe and cut the bottom off and put it in this suction tube, put a red rubber on it and suction airway? Did you know that? And she's like, no, I've never seen that before. So, you know, like little things like that. And right now she says, because it's so busy and because there's no staff, she's not learning anymore. Like she can't. Yeah. Mm. She she can't do new things because everyone just has to get it done, get it done, get it done. And I think that there's a bit of a, a cultural slowdown that has to happen in order for us to train the next generation. Because, you know, people like us, there's got to be a generation behind us. You know, there's got to be somebody mm-hmm. who's going to be the next 10 year veteran. And right now, I don't know who those people are. Yeah. Like everyone's right. cycling out so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think that it's I think it's twofold. Like I th- I think that there's hope out there because we are able to do some of the most advanced skills that veterinary technicians have ever been able to perform like in 2021, especially in my line of work, especially in research. I mean, like you're doing you're doing invasive cardiac procedures as a as a veterinary technician. But in order for us to give oxygen to the desires of people to learn those new skills and learn how to exist in this career, something's got to shift. And it's, Mm -hmm. I I don't know if it's going to be that we have to like make it so that we can downsize things so that people are able to take their breaks and have a thought (laughs) (laughs) or that we just have to like reorchestrate how clients are moving through our systems. Cause like, you know, right now this 10, 12 hour wait type in the wait time in the parking lot, that is not, it's not working. Like that's it's, it's not working mm-hmm. and it's not sustainable. That's no. not going to be. It's not sustainable. So so I feel like there's a there's a bit of a global shift that has to happen on not just the veterinary technician level. Like I think it has to happen from all levels within the veterinary hospital. But the technicians are the ones that are bearing the brunt of it, and the OGs, the OGs, the seven year <laughs> pluses. I think that we're the ones who are kind of at the helm of this because we're the ones. Only, only seven years makes you an OG. Yeah, oh, isn't man. that terrifying? <laughs> I've been an OG for a decade now. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? It's like, that's the problem. The problem is that there's not people who have been doing this for forever. Like yeah. the person that I learned from is, you know, she's been doing this for, oh my God, she's probably been doing this for almost 30 years now. And she's not credentialed. She's just learned by doing. So it goes to show you, like, you don't necessarily, not everyone has to be a VTS. That's not the goal. Like, I feel like the goal is to have like a solid, like a solid base of RVTs with a solid set of standards and a solid set of skills. And those are the ones who are going to move these patients through the hospital in a way that's consistent, in a way that it's not just going to be like, you know, this is how we've always done it. I know you guys, have, like lots of guests say that all the time, right? That it's a, hate that phrase. Right, everybody hates yeah. it. But you know what? It's true. 
But it's true. This is the way we've always mm-hmm. done it. This is the way we've it always is. done it. And I don't think it's working anymore. So I think right. vet techs, no. we're the ones at the front lines. We're the ones who are going to have to start saying something. Yeah. You talked in there uh, about your more recent kind of career transition into the to the lab animal world. And, and you, you touched on in there, too, about some of the differences and similarities between your, your previous career as a stage manager and, and, and overall as a vet tech. I'm, I'm curious how you have found the lab animal niche of, of the veterinary technician world in terms of what you used to do as an emergency technician. Do you find yourself using the same skills? Is it night and day? Is anything transferable? I, I mean, you talked about what kind of drew or, you know, led you down that path, but yeah. how, how are you finding it now? You know, that is such a good question. So I was not sure how that was going to be. I, I was not sure how, how these two, how these two avenues were going to like these two roads were, <laughs> were going to meet in the woods. Cause it, the, it is, it is different, but at the same time, I think that the things that I gained in emergency and especially like going through the, the VTS skills list and then and then also working with criticalists like in the last couple of years that I was in an emergency room, like you learn to do a lot of crazy stuff and like, you know, research does a lot of crazy stuff. And so I, even though the territory was so unfamiliar and there's species that I'd never worked with before, there's tools that I'd never worked with before, you kind of know that you've got this baseline, this undercurrent of understanding of like physiology and anatomy. And, and you know, a, a catheter is a catheter is a catheter. A vein is a vein is a vein in any species that you have, maybe in a different place might look weird the like, yeah. airway may look real weird like i describe intubating a pig as like you know when you put binoculars on backwards and like <laughs> everything looks like super far away <laughs> like that's pig intubation like that's where you're going way down there so but but because you like i feel like because i came from emergency which is kind of can feel like your diy like oh let's see how this works like you know it, it can feel very kind of un, like rudderless in a way of what's coming in the door i think that it puts you in a mental state of just embracing the moment of whatever's happening. And you're confident in the fact that you're like, I understand the basic anatomy of what has to happen here. And so even though I've never performed this skill before, I think that with the proper guidance, and I am very, very fortunate that I work with someone who's been doing this for, for 25 plus years. Like, you know, if, if I've got the proper guidance and I have to do this thing that I've never done, I think I'm going to figure it out. Like this, this will be something that I can do. And I think that emergency also inherently has a lot of organization in it. Like you have to be able to figure out if you've got five patients that need five things at exactly the same time, you have to be able to figure out in your head who's the sickest, which things can you get done, who can you delegate to get the things done on the sickest ones versus the ones that are not the sickest ones. Because you know why? Because the doctor is like been disappeared in exam rooms for the last 45 minutes. But something's <laughs> got to happen, right? So there's that is very much research because you have scheduled procedures that are happening for various different laboratories. And these are also, this is another thing that I think is interesting is that, you know, the people that I organize now are not not necessarily all veterinary people. They're MDs, like they're electrophysiologists or they're uh, people who work on kidney research or liver research or like they're they're human doctors. That's who I'm bossing around now. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing all right. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It is such a trip to, to like, you know, walk into a room and like something's going the way that it's not supposed to. I'm like, excuse me, doctor. 
but I'm going to have to ask you to step aside. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a weird world, but I think emergency is a weird world where you never know what's coming. Mm-hmm. Those types of skill sets definitely transfer. And because I came from stage management, like, you know, like messiness makes me crazy, like chaos makes me like, I, I, I always just have to like organize things and kind of compartmentalize things just the way that I am. And so that part of stage management brain in emergency and that part of stage management brain in in the research world totally works the same way. It's just organizing people, organizing animals, organizing healthcare, organizing husbandry, like all of all of those same types of things. Oh, but I will say though, you know, so it's rare that you have sick research animals. That is one thing that that hmm. is interesting about this profession that I didn't really put together huh. because that's not the point. The right. point is you want a healthy model. You want a healthy, happy model. Yeah. And you know, there are no less than five or six acronyms breathing down the back of your neck to make sure that you treat these animals exactly as they are meant to be treated in a laboratory setting. So, I mean, yeah. like the USDA and like we just had a like huge inspection with an organization, ALAC, for accreditation of lab animal care, you know. There's a lot of regulation of those animals, and they are all intended to be healthy. So an emergency is actually relatively rare. Hmm. However, they can happen. And <laughs> when they do, I no one in the room really is, is, is in a place to really deal with that. And here comes little old me. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, uh-oh, something's wrong. Okay, I got this. So, uh, so it's so funny that like in the in what can be the most uncomfortable situation in animal research when something is kind of going a little bit off the rails, everyone gets really scared. I'm like, oh, cool, and then I get to use all the things that I've been taught how to do in emergency and every and smooth things out, and then everything's all right. Don't panic. Nice. First rule: don't panic. Right. right, and that's like that. That is the first rule, no matter what you're doing. Nice, <laughs> don't yeah. nice. panic. Nice. So that part of it, I didn't realize that that was that that part would be transferable, and it is very few and far between. But when it does happen, you're very happy that you've been in emergency settings before. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, why don't we take a little bit of a break here? Yeah, and uh, pay some bills. Pay some bills yeah. or pay one bill. Pay bill. One big bill. <laughs> one bill. One big bill. Yeah. And we'll be back at the after this break. Right <laughs> on. The Vet Tech Cafe is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line, and it's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online that's more affordable than traditional in-person therapy, and financial aid is available. Caffeinators receive 10% off the first month using BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, to join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Don't take our word for it. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily at betterhelp.com reviews. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash reviews. If you want to take charge of your mental health, visit BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe and get started today and get 10% off your first month. Be well, caffeinators. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to the VetTech Cafe, where you'll be judged by whether or not you like to add 
a flavor of seasonal squash to your bean water. I will not judge you because I love it. Dave. I'm going to judge the Dave will judge you from North Carolina and you will feel it. But oh, here, man. seasonal coffee is always in season. So, Nicole, um, you know, we just uh, ran an ad there for, for better health or better help. Excuse me. So, you know, thinking about mental health in the veterinary technician world is something we talk a lot about on this podcast. So I know you have, we haven't even touched on this yet and we will a little <laughs> bit more too, but you have some outside projects, some music groups that you're a part of, which I think is just so cool. Um, but oh, those and, and other things, like how do you manage your mental health? Is that ever, has it ever been a concern? Talk about that for a moment. I mean, I think that you know, I'm I'm glad that there's a lot of I'm glad that there's a lot of like a- awareness that's going on about about mental health and healthcare professions because I I think that it really well and especially not just because of COVID but generally I mean I think that COVID really kind of blew the lid off of all of it because you know all of a sudden no one had any time to to think about it at all in human and animal medicine I think for both when curbside service started that like broke my heart like that that to me was really really difficult because part of what I enjoyed about being a veterinary technician was that I could be the one in the room to explain things to you like you know if people were terrified that their dog was losing a leg or they were terrified that their cat's kidneys were failing or a DKA or whatever it was you know I could talk to that person and be like I I know this is a lot of money I know this is a lot of things all at once but let me just let's break it down into pieces and I'll explain each one of these things and I'm going to be there the whole time when you come and visit later tonight I'm going to be the one in CCU to take you back there I'll like I'll show you where they're going to be like I could be that comfort level and with curbside service that disappeared disappeared completely and that was so painful for me like I didn't understand how to kind of like come back from that and I I do think that part of my transition which was a combination of events but I think part of my decision making process had to do with the fact that I would that I was going to live in a world of curbside service and that was just so different than what I was used to doing and I'm sure that I would have find found a way out of it to adapt like people have. But you know, that was a very real thing for me. And so the types of things that I try to do, and you guys know this already, is I try to do things that are completely non-veterinary medicine related. <laughs> Take a non-vet day mm-hmm. like we do. Yes, the non-vet day is actually a really smart thing because, you know, you have to give your brain, I think it helps veterinary. Me- veterinary medicine is like that. It is a blue collar profession of DIY. Like it does not come from an academic setting it doesn't come from specialty it comes from like people in fields mucking about with their cows like that's the beginnings of veterinary medicine you know what i mean like it didn't start as refined as it is now so i think making your brain do other things is really helpful for your clinical mind Mm -hmm. like you kind of just expand your thought process a little bit and like you know part of it i've always played music like i mean my whole families are all music people like my brother's a guitar player my dad was a trumpet player my mom's a piano player so i mean music has always been a big part of my life and i really noticed oh yeah i forgot to tell you about this so part of what me transitioning out of stage management and getting that extra day off a week was yes to clip cat's claws that is true but it was also to play more music like music kind Mm. of playing music kind of disappeared out of my life like except for very rare occasions for i mean most of that decade i played in a rad band in college and like played like every night and it was so fun and then it kind of disappeared into professional stage management you just don't have the time like the people who run the 
the shows, never get to like actually watch the shows or perform in the shows. It's just the way that it goes. Mm-hmm. And so doing music is like a huge part of how I can decompress and like because it, it's it takes a hundred percent of your focus to be able to play in real time with other people. And whether it's improv or whether you're remembering the song that you guys had rehearsed the week before, or like whether you're playing with people that you've never played with before and kind of feeling things out, like that's a that's a lot of focus and it has nothing to do with DKA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> nothing to do with the late night surgeon being grumpy. Yeah, so I find I find that part of it like r- really helpful, really helpful. You know, you you said in there about in, in veterinary medicine, mental health, and and the, some of the parallels you've drawn with the with your previous career as a stage manager. I'm curious in terms of the long days, in terms mm. of the demands, in terms mm-hmm. of all of that, is mental health a problem in that field as well, or is is there is is it acknowledged? Is there just no time for it? Is it is it a problem like it is with us or? Because it sounds like it sounds very, very similar, very, very different, but there's a lot of parallels. Is it is it also a problem? Absolutely. And I mean, and I think that, you know, there there's a lot of parallels between technical theater people like, you know, theatrical technicians and veterinary technicians like a technician is a technician is a technician in any avenue that you go. Our pens are important. We have a really specific skill set that no one else knows how to do. Like, you know, it's, it's, and we're kind of in the background, right? We're not up front and center. We're in the background of what's going on. And yet we're responsible for the whole show. So I, th- I think there's a lot of parallels in that regard. And there's a huge amount of selflessness that comes with that. And I think that I do think that, you know, the sacrifice for the show is a lot of what stage managers experience. There's a lot of alcoholics in stage management. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people who like work way too much and like, and, and then only socialize with the people that they do technical theater with. And so like you get these like pods of friends that are, can only talk shop and that's all, so they, they never get a break from it. And some people really like that. Yeah. That's not really me. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, mental health and actors, that is no secret that that's a, that's a thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like I worked with Carrie Fisher, who was like very upfront about her manic depression. And I did two shows with her. I did her run of her show at Berkeley Rep. And then I did her HBO special that was on TV. In fact, that's the one TV credit that I have. My name is in the credits of Wishful <laughs> Drinking and Carrie Fisher's HBO special. If, 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 if you're looking for it, if you're looking for it, it'll be there. But, you know, she was... Well, now we have to look. Yeah. Now you have to look. <laughs> it's, it's a good show, too. The show is good. But, you know, she was very upfront about her mental health struggles and, like, and, the, and her background with it and all of the struggles that she had with self-medicating and, like, you know, with the drug problems that she had. So she kind of... She was very frank about all those problems. But I think that actors, you know, in actors having the mental health issues being so upfront and so... I don't want to say it's, like, common, but it's, like, accepted... That if you're an actor, that's something crazy, like that, there, that there's some there's some weirdness to it. Like it like it's kind of this accepted norm that if you're an actor, whether it's on TV, film or stage, that there it's very possible that there could be an undercurrent of instability to your everyday existence, <laughs> you know. So and I think because it's because of that, it becomes a little bit muted, like, mm. oh, that's just mm. how it goes. Like, oh, yeah, they're crazy. Oh, yeah, they're so difficult to work with. But then those are the people that need the help the most because all of a sudden it's like normalized the fact that these people are really struggling. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really sounds familiar. 
doesn't it? I, and it's a show must go on, right? You know, like the, the patients are going to come keep coming through the doors and there's still going to be butts in the seats. Like it's the same thing. It's like a, it's a relentless grind mm. that you have to do. Are the stressors like the I don't want to say the stressors. That's probably not the word I'm looking for. But like the, the cause of it, is it different? Because the way that I think of it in the acting world is that the big stress is I'm not going to get the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the veterinary technician world, there's nobody else that can do this job. Right. So the stresses are, are, are similar related to availability of jobs, but they're they're flipped, they're reversed. Yeah, 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 yeah. As technicians, you know, what kind of what we focus on is that when is somebody else going to do this job for me? Right. <laughs> As opposed to <laughs> I, I can't get the job. Stage managers and technical theater people, too, will often say, like, you're only good as your last show. And I feel like mm-hmm. veterinary technicians tend to think, like, you know, I'm only good as my last catheter. Like, I'm only good as my last central line or like I'm only good as my last surgical case or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's it's kind of an impossible standard to hold. Like, not oh, yeah. not everything that you do is going to be flawless. Like, Mm-mm. not everything that you do is going to be perfect. And also, you can't hang on to that and be the gatekeeper for all of the people that are coming up behind you that need to know how to do those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I think that that happens like like veterinary technicians can feel like their job security is the fact that they're the ones who performed all the skills on that one thing. And I, I've kind of let that go. Like, I've, you know, I work with people that have way less years behind them in emergency, in any kind of like, you know, not just emergency. I do work with two people that did come from small animals. So, I mean, like they've got more of a California RBT background, but you know, one of the folks that I supervise, you know, she's she ha- she's just she's the youngest among us and she's got the least amount of experience with hands-on skills. I let her do everything. You have to. Yeah. You have to do that. Yeah. I mean, like don't take ownership and like you know, you can't it's I I am not only as good as my next catheter. I'm only as good as her next catheter. Yeah. That's how Ooh, I that's how I like to I think like about that. it. Yeah. We'll have to <laughs> you know? write that quote down. There you go. Yeah, we'll have to put that on a we'll put that on a t shirt. Yeah. Write down that recipe for Cortana too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you are also a podcast. We talked about this a little bit in the beginning here. Uh, so tell us a little bit about Cat Disgusted. What do you talk about? Who are your guests? Uh, who's your audience? Oh, yeah. And when, and when are we going to be on it? I know. Oh, man, you guys. Oh, you guys. That would be so fun. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a bit of a one-woman show, quite honestly. It's just me. So we're but, out. But- it's fine. <laughs> Right. Oh no, that's the exciting thing is that like I'm I'm branching out now, gentlemen. I'm branching out. So, you know, Cat Disgusted, I started I don't know. I don't keep track. A cu- couple years ago, I mean like it was before Yvonne's podcast started. So, I mean, if you think back okay. like, you know, like maybe like 6 months before Internal Medicine for Vettech's podcast, that's when Cat Disgusted mm-hmm. started. And it you know, it literally started because I have a lot of friends who are not in vet med. Like I have a lot of friends who are vet med, but I've also like I've I've lived in the Bay Area all my life. Like I've got my friends that I grew up with, you know, I've known them for like 25 odd years. They've seen me through all phases of all work lives. And by far, the stories that came from the circus and emergency veterinary medicine are the top contenders at the social gatherings. (laughs) Those are what people want to hear. Basically the same industry. I mean... stationary trapeze angry saint bernard is kind of equivalent in terms of entertainment <laughs> but you know they they would tell me all the time they'd be like oh my god what happened at work this week and i'd be like, and I'd, at first i'd be like oh, oh well 
oh, well, actually. And then I would remember <laughs> that there'd be some, oh, this pug ate an entire plate of brownies, which it then vomited directly onto my scrub top. <laughs> so, you know, there was always there was always some story that they wanted to hear. And they were the ones who actually suggested initially. They're like, dude, you got to write these down. Or like, dude, you got to like do a, um, like, I don't know, like short stories or like, what is this like podcast that people do? Like maybe that. And like, I didn't even really listen to that many podcast and I started listening to like Radio Lab and I listened to um oh god there used to be this amazing comedy podcast called Two Dope Queens and like they would just like banter back and forth I thought they were hilarious and um Science Friday on NPR like a you know like a big fan of the, like, that that podcast mm-hmm. too so I I kind of was like you know if this is just somebody talking into a microphone um I can do that I can see if that's a <laughs> thing so that's literally what I did I literally set up a mic in the house and like start talking into a microphone and telling the stories that I would just tell my friends um that they thought were so funny and I realized that I could do it for like a good like you know hour or so and and i just like had a lot of material and i have this like massive backlog and then i started like writing down like like little stories that would happen while i was working and be like oh i should talk about that on the podcast and then it became like oh maybe i'm talking about things that need a little bit more explanation because the people that listen to cat disgusted are not necessarily vet med people because it came up with my Mm, non-vet med friends and so they like the story of it, but they may not know like all of the physiology that has to happen. So then I started doing episodes where I like talk about rabies or I talk about toxicities like xylitol. Like what's that? Like in the background of what they what the things were behind the stories I was telling. And then I start and then I tried to do like segments. I always really like little segments of podcasts that like were repeated. Like how you guys always ask for like what we want to drink at the beginning. Like I love that. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing segments called Vaynerpuncture of the Week. And so I talk about like the hardest stick that I had seen that week. Like, you know, like the most mm-hmm. shriveled, you know, crypt keeper kitty that needed a blood test <laughs> or whatever. And then I would do, um, I have a segment called Stupid Breeds, where I talk about like, you know, whatever crazy breed there is, like, you know, the Pooley or like hairless cats and just like do like a little like, you know, 20 oh, I thought that was going to be like the, the weird mixes. Oh, well, see, now that would be a whole nother one, right? Like the Labradoodle. That's got to oh, be. That's got to yeah. be. Speaking of Labradoodle. So I get calls for doodles like literally 15 times a day. I had oh, a I new doodle variety this week I had not heard of before. Have you Ooh. ever heard of a prairie doodle? what that is not a what a a prairie doodle this gentleman claimed was a great pyrenees golden doodle mix a great pyrenees golden doodle mix where does the prairie part come in the great pyrenees uh uh, Isn't, I thought that was mountains. No, I I don't know. He sounded very confident <laughs> and convicted in his description, and so I went with it. But I mean, he's he's probably spent three thousand dollars for that dog, so uh, he should at be. least. Uh, but yeah, so that was a new variety of doodle for me this week. Okay, see, stupid breed, that stupid doodle. breed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna mm-hmm. call yeah. that. But see, arguably not a breed at all. That's a mutt. That's mm-hmm. a mutt that costs nine hundred dollars. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. That's, that's a mixed breed dog. That's what yes. that is. That is a new what did it do? What was it what was it calling you for? I don't know. I think it was a rat bait call. It was like a nothing oh, call. But yeah, okay. it was, it was the, the what he ate was not nearly as exciting as his breed. As as his breed was. As his freaking breed as you, was. As you're scrolling down the right. list to find prairie yes, yes, prairie doodle. Yes, prairie absolutely. Doodle. No, that that, that is a, a CDU, canine domestic unspecified. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> that is that's good. Oh, I love man. that. Yeah, see, he could make it. He could make it on the show. <laughs> Stupid mm-hmm. Reed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, I I wish I could do it more often. Like, I mean, I was doing it. I was doing it more frequently when I kind of was excited. Like, like you do. Like you're excited about it, and you're like, oh, this is gonna be my new thing. And you're like doing it every month. I feel like it's been like five months since I did the last one, which is not great. But at the same time. I'm kind of in a little bit of a place of transition with the podcast, I think, because, you know, I don't work in emergency anymore. And now what Mm -hmm. I'm doing is not something that I can talk as publicly about. And so it kind of shifts the focus a little bit as far as what I'm going to be able to cover. Like now, that being said, I've got this like backlog of freaking emergency stories which is ridiculous mm-hmm. i mean I've, so mm-hmm. i could still do like you know er story time which is what i thought of i was like oh maybe it becomes a segment like maybe now i have like emergency you know emergency vet story time but i also can do more on stupid breeds is always going to be standing because there's endless amounts of stupid breeds prairie doodle and then you know i could do <laughs> the vein of puncture of the week that still stands like i could still totally yeah do that, yeah you know, absolutely I, there is absolutely vein of puncture oh my my god are there vein of punctures of the week that you see on very species and research you'll have to change you have to change the name of the podcast to rat disgusted that's right rat disgusted pig pig disgusted except pigs are not disgusted by many things i will tell you that Mm. they are they are eaters of whatever's there yeah indiscriminate yeah (laughs) indiscriminate they're great though they're great i mean like that's that's the other that that's what i can talk about you know is how much i enjoy these other species that i'm working with you know um but it's not the same it's not it's not quite the same the the same as it was and so actually what i've been doing more of enter dave and jeff are interviews (laughs) so (laughs) congratulations like Right. So like yeah, I did a, um, when I did the Puerto Rico uh, spayathon when I did. So I did it for two years, this um, this spayathon for Puerto Rico, which I I don't remember if you talked about it with Aaron Spencer, but we did the same <laughs> gig there. We both did what's called the oh, line really? walker job. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I've kept in touch with those guys and they have a shelter medicine conference that happens every year and it's been virtual the last two years. And so I created a, a podcast for them, which was interviewing two veterinarians that do shelter medicine. And so like did like, you know, kind of like a 30 minute interview thing with one veterinarian that I traveled to Puerto Rico with and then another veterinarian that I didn't know. He's a Oregon Humane Society veterinarian. And so that kind of gave me a little bit of a chance to try the interview format. And it was really fun. And I feel like it went really well. And it kind of expands into the audience of whoever I'm interviewing as well. Um, and so I think that that might be the direction that that it wants to go. And it's just been far, few and far between because there's been transitions in my life and with the podcast. And so hopefully there'll be a new one coming soon. <laughs> starting to think about it. Well, hope, hopefully we've, we've inspired you to, to get back into it. Absolutely. Absolutely. As always. For sure. For sure. You know, we've we've covered a lot of ground in a very short period of time here, and I know we've, <laughs> we've 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 pivoted from several things to other several things. But I'm curious, you know, in, in all of the career transitioning that you've done, we've talked about parallels and different things. But is there anything we missed? Is there oh. anything, you know, without maybe starting a whole nother podcast episode? Rabbit hole, rabbit hole. <laughs> um, rabbit you know, hole. is is Danger. there anything that we didn't touch on that maybe you wanted to? You know, I think the thing that it actually like it, it actually ju- it actually just came up, which is the 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 spayathon for Puerto Rico that I did for two years. I I feel like that that is one that's that's one part of my veterinary experience that really changed 
my life, like, and really changed what I thought was possible for veterinary medicine to do and possible for me to do. So the Spayathon for Puerto Rico was created after um, Hurricane Maria. And it was one of those things where, you know, there were many services that were unavailable on that island, tragically, because they are citizens of the United States. But they didn't have veterinary care, really, much of it to begin with. And then Hurricane Maria happened and priorities shifted. And there was a, they just, they, they couldn't take care of the animals the way that they needed to. And so that's kind of how the Spayathon for Puerto Rico was born. I joined that team right as I got my VTS. Like I literally, I have my, one of my, wonderful friends, uh, Jordan, who works as an anesthetist in Portland, Oregon. She kept telling me, you really got to do this Puerto Rico thing because she'd gone before. She's like, you really got to do this Puerto Rico thing. You really got to do it. And I was like, I know, but I'm doing this VTS thing. And it's like taking all my energy and all my focus. And I, I promise like once the VTS is over, I promise, yes, I'll come to Puerto Rico. Yes, yes, yes. And she's like, okay. So then I got the VTS. I passed the test. Woohoo. Hooray. Bells and whistles. Awesome. And I told Jordan, I was like, Jordan, you haven't seen me since I passed my test. And she's like, I know, I'm so excited. So the number that you're going to call to reserve your flights <laughs> is right here. And here are the dates. And she wrote it all down on this paper towel, which I still have. All the dates, the numbers, emails, everything on this little piece of paper towel while I was in x-ray, while I was in radiology, like taking pictures of some kitty for something. And so um, she literally brought me along to this to this high volume, high quality spay neuter clinic that they do. And they do twelve hundred like oh, they could do up to twelve hundred animals in like four or five days. Um, wow. It's it's a huge undertaking. Everything comes in. It's like camping. You bring everything with you, all the anesthesia machines, all the army cots. It's, it's very similar to rural area veterinary services, the mm-hmm. RAVs, RAVs thing, which I've yeah, I've never yeah. done. But there's a lot of veterans who are on that on those trips who had done done RAVs and all knew each other from RAVs. Um, and so my job, my job was called line walker. And this is the job that Aaron Spencer did. You are in charge of the gas anesthesia for the seven, I think there's seven army cots that are going all at the same time. So you've got like seven animals that are all intubated, all on anesthetic circuits, all going at the same time. And as the line walker, you literally walk the line. You're walking up and down all those animals, making sure that everybody's doing cool, everybody's fine, the surgeons are all happy, nobody needs anything. And it's the perfect emergency technician's position because it's triage 100% of the time. Because as you're Mm -hmm. walking around, you'll be like, oh, this dog is not perfect, but that one's worse. So I'm going to be right back. So you kind of leave that guy for a second. Then you kind of look at the other one. And then if there's really a problem, you kind of wave your hand in the air like, whoa, problem. And then people will come running and help you. But so I, that, that experience really changed me. Like there were over 200 people waiting in line at six in the morning every day with their animals and carriers. Like, you know, they, Mm. they, they came from all over the place. We went to, um, there, I went twice and both times it was like that, just huge crowds of people. These are people who have FEMA tarps on their roofs. They like, don't really know where their next meal, where, where it may come from or if it's going to come for them or their children. And yet they are in line at five thirty six in the morning with the cats and dogs because this is their big day and they get to have this surgery, which they know is so important. Mm. Wow. And yeah. it's just like, it opened up my my eyes to to like the needs that exist like for for our own US citizens in this situation mm-hmm. and that it really kind of brought to front the front of my mind that the VTS that I had worked so hard to get I'd worked so hard for those 2 years like I mean almost kills you work so hard cry tears tears there are during that process and then here I am on this tropical island 
in a baseball, a converted baseball stadium, like watching a little like litter of puppies, like recover from their spays and neuters. And I'm like, the people are coming up to you and thanking you in Spanish and they're bringing us food and stuff. And I'm just like in tears. I'm like, my VTS is not, it's not for me. It's for this. It's for this. Yeah. This is why I did this because (sighs) they, they need me here. Like they really need me here. It's not like, it just felt the meaningfulness of it changed focus. And I try to remember that in like every aspect of what I do. I try to remember those people standing there so early in the morning in like the tropical rain with their little cats and dogs. And I'm, I just remember that. And like, that's what's, that's what's, that's the work. Like that's the work that we do. Yeah. Cause all you have is your stethoscope and your brain and a headlamp. Yeah. That's it. That's all you get. And yet those animals were, were fine. They were wow. fine. They all went wow. home. That's you know awesome. what I mean? Like very, very rare complications. Very, very rarely do we have complications. But that's it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, and it's an it amazing is. thing to be part of all that. Yeah. So I would say that's a highlight for me. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Changed my life. Changed my life. Uh, we all need more of that. Well, you know, as we're we're over an hour here and we we generally tell our guests <laughs> we record for about an hour. So I, I we're gonna wind down here. I don't wanna take up too much more of your time. But it was that cortado at the beginning of double espresso. It was, it was. <laughs> That'll do it every time. Um, so as you were a guest that was suggested to us by a previous guest, I'm curious if there is anybody you would suggest putting in that chair for a future episode. And you can't say Liz. And I can't say Liz. Oh, my BTS mama. Liz, she's a, Liz is reoccurring. She don't need my suggestion. She, yeah, she, she's, she's on our <laughs> annual docket. She's, <laughs> she's, she's already booked she, for next October. I was just going to say, she's, re, she's the repeat performance. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, mama Liz. Yes, if I haven't said that already... She, she was my, my VTS mentor and I could not, I could not, literally could not have done it without her it, it, it guidance and, and She mentoring. was a big part of, of Jeff and I passing as well. My, kiss, <laughs> kiss it up to Liz. Mwah. Yep. Yes. Yep. Mama Liz. Oh my goodness. I still text her. With the, whenever things, whenever big things happen in my life, I tend to send her like a little message. To like, oh, Mama Liz, <laughs> something happened. Oh my God. Yeah. So boy, future guests. Okay. So I have thought about this. So one person, so, well, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a couple. I'm going to give you a couple. I think um, one person that I met through a mutual doctor friend is Kelly Foltz. You know Kelly uh-huh. Foltz? Yes. Yeah, we yeah, know Kelly. Oh absolutely. my God, she's so great. She's so, absolutely wonderful. Nurse Ratchet. Yes. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, she's somebody that I've kind of interacted with through this mutual friend of ours. We both have this mutual friend, a Dr. Lynn Morris, who who's an emergency doctor. Um, and they knew each other from, I think, in Alabama. When Probably Kelly was Auburn. In Alabama. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And so she has been, we went out to dinner at IVEX for like two, like a couple sporadic years. And it would always be with, with Lynn, with, with our mutual friend. And she, she was me and Kelly went out to dinner in New Orleans and had this amazing dinner in New Orleans right after I took my VTS exam, which almost made me die because I thought that I had failed it miserably. And she was very supportive and was like, mm, I think you probably did better than you thought you did. Mm-hmm. She's totally right. But yeah, I think Kelly's a hoot. Like she her stories about Alabama. I mean, think about oh, where she's yeah. been. Alabama. Florida. North Florida. <laughs> Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Girls got some stories. Uh-huh. And she's just fun. Like I've gone to her lectures and she wears cat ears for her yeah. feline lectures. And I think I just think that, you know, she'd have she also, you know, like you, Jeff, she was in teaching hospitals. And so mm-hmm. like the role of being a CCU nurse, and she's very much still in clinical practice, yeah. like teaching the doctors of the future. Yeah. 
in Florida and Alabama. I did, mm-hmm. yeah. I th- I think that she'd be. I think she'd be a hoot. So that that that's one. I uh, I think the other two. So kind of tailing on like on the coattails of like the Spayathon for Puerto Rico, really changing the way that I thought about veterinary medicine and the way that I thought about priorities and how to use the skills that I have, you know, I've I've been giving a lot more kind of oxygen in my own life to shelter medicine. And that includes the Cornell like podcast that I did for them. It includes staying in touch with all of the shelter medicine people that I met through the Puerto Rico uh, Spayathon. Two of those people that I think are literal heroes of the people and of the pets are Melina Stambolis um, and Robin Post. And those those two ladies, they are true inspirations to me. So Melina Stambolis, she's the anesthetist for for the two spayathons that I did in Puerto Rico. She's trusted with all. She's an RBT. Um, she's trusted with all of the anesthetic protocols. In fact, her and my friend Jordan, who recruited me, they were the ones who put together all the anesthetic protocols for those animals. And just the amount of responsibility that she had there, I would always call her Melina up on high. She would have a table that was up on these storage boxes, literally looking over the entire thing. She's the one who would see my hand when it flew up in the air if there was something that was not Mm, doing well and come running. But like she was responsible for so much in this high quality, high volume spay neuter clinic. And she still is doing that. So now she runs a community veterinary clinic and a spay neuter clinic with the Humane Society of Sonoma. And I just think as an RVT who's not a specialist, not a VTS, but is so intimately involved in the responsibility of doing so much shelter work. And she's also a RAVS veteran. Um, Melina Stambolis is your number one to talk about that type of stuff. Okay. Um, and And I can't say her without saying Robin Post. Uh, Robin is the veterinary technician supervisor at the Animal Fix Clinic, which is in Richmond, California. It's like two blocks from my house, so it's super easy for me to go down there and help if I want to, which is great. <laughs> uh, but the Animal Fix Clinic is a uh, it's a low-cost surgery clinic, and they have a tiered system in terms of how people related to people's income and what they can afford for veterinary care. And mm-hmm. so she literally is saving the lives of these animals that have no other options in an expensive place like the Bay Area. Uh, um, and she does it with Dr. Jean Go. They're kind of like a two-person show, really. They've got a team of technicians, absolutely. But the two of them have been running that clinic since 2017. And she's a big proponent of what's called the incremental care system so that not all animals need the gold standard of $25,000 worth of surgery and diagnostics. They don't mm-hmm. all need that. And in order to have equity in our society and with our animals, then we means we do not pass judgment about the amount mm-hmm. of money that someone can or cannot afford to spend on their animal who they love as part of their family. And Robin is a huge proponent of that type of incremental care system and that equity amongst people mm. and their pets. Because those people who are in line in Puerto Rico, they did not love their dog any less right. than the oncology patient. That's right. Absolutely. All the same. And so I think between those two ladies, you know, Melina and Robin... I think you got some real heroes there. I love it. Well, and shelter medicine has been is something that Jeff and I have talked about mm-hmm. in the past of having a guest on. Yeah. We just haven't found the right person. Yeah. Oh, bing, did it, bing, bing, two, yeah. two of yeah. them. Fantastic. I got, I got your two right there. And Fantastic. then Kelly right, can, Kelly will come and tell her crazy Florida yeah. serval story with her cat ears sure. on, and that'll be fun too. <laughs> <laughs> if we can, if we can get her to do the podcast with the with the ears on, that yes. would be. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh, oh, she'll wear the ears. Come on, she yeah. totally. Will. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So as we get to the end, we have a would you rather question. I know you're you're expecting one. 
Oh, the, and, okay. I haven't been nervous up until now. This freaking would you okay. rather question. Oh my God. This is a question that when we first started doing the would you rathers, I came across this question. I said, I want to ask this at some point. Uh-oh. And because you have somewhat of a musical background, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I felt like this would, would this, be appropriate This is the time. And, and this is the first, like a lot of times I researched the would you rather question, but this is the one where I was like, nope, we're doing this question. Oh, this because... is going to be hard. Okay. Okay. Lay it on me. Lay it on me. Okay. Would you rather? You got you to listen. There's, mm. a, there's, a, there's a little bit of involvement mm, here. Mm, mm. All songs exist, mm. but can only be sung by Pitbull. Or only Pitbull songs exist, but can be sung by anyone. Okay, we're talking about Pitbull the artist? Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the artist Pitbull. Not, not a Pitbull, right. but the artist. <laughs> the Pitbull. <laughs> the Pitbull. Mis- Mr. Worldwide. Okay, all songs exist, and only he can sing them? Only he can sing them. Or... Only his songs, but other people sing them. But then anybody else Correct. can sing them. Yeah. Oh, okay. I well, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to poach the talent of the others. I I think that we will tolerate Pitbull's songs if people like you know, like if if Elton John can sing them. Like you know you know what you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I I'm gonna go with that. I don't know one that. Pitbull song, but the, whatever the first one I ever hear that somebody says, oh, this is a Pitbull song, I'm going to try to picture Elton John singing Elton it. Elton John, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Or Tony Bennett, if he's still doing it, take a whack at it, Tony. Uh, Tony take Bennett's a whack still alive? He's got to be, right? Yeah, I think so. I just think like white jacket and like bald head. That's all I got for Pitbull. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I know the music is not good. <laughs> so... <laughs> So 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 good artists can only make it better. You know what I'm saying? That's true. They got to put their shine on it. Mm-hmm. He does. He does have one song where he rhymes Kodak with Kodak. <laughs> Kodak with Kodak? That's not a thing. Yeah, that's not a thing. Yeah, that's it no. is. I'll, I'll I'll find it and send it to you. The talent oh, is undeniable. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> exactly. How uh. could you possibly protest? Now, <laughs> I did see in your notes here, gentlemen, that there's an op- There's an optional of a would you rather question oh, for oh, you. Oh, do you have oh, a would you oh, rather oh, question? Oh, 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 oh hell yeah! Not many people. Hell yeah! yeah. <laughs> not many people take us up on yeah. this. Ah, okay, I this is an original. Is yours an original? Did you think of that Pitbull one? No, you didn't. You had to Google search no. that. You Google search. Yeah, Google. yeah, we have like pages. And Pitbull of would came you up questions. as a would you rather. <laughs> That's the yeah. that somebody else had thought of that. That's some of them funny. are original, but but that that was one that I was you scroll, scrolling. You I found that through one. that. <laughs> okay, so I. I have an original. I have Uh-oh. an original. Okay. And, I, and this is, I read a book recently about time on the International Space Station, so it has a little bit to do with that. Okay, gentlemen. Would you rather live on the International Space Station for a month, or would you rather go camping in the Amazon rainforest for a month? Now think carefully. <laughs> I know my answer. You do? Is the Amazon rainforest still there? Oh, sad tears. Oh, yes, oh. a small patch, a small patch preserved under a glass case. Yes. Uh, I would, I would take the forest. You gonna take the forest? I, okay, okay. I, we're watching um, the the TV show The Last Man on Earth. Oh yeah, okay. Have you ever seen that? I haven't seen and, it, but I know of there, it. And there's a there's a season where somebody is is stuck on the International Space Station, and I I just don't think I'd make it back to Earth. Yep. I yep. think I would die. Yep, <laughs> yep. Jeff, Jeff. I, I, I actually would be the opposite. I would take the International Space Station. I knew it. I and, knew and, it. And part of my reason <laughs> is, so uh, in my high school biology class, uh, my teacher 
talked about doing research in the Amazon mm. rainforest. And part of the research that he did uh-huh. was basically they canopied off or tented off a single tree. And they fogged the tree to collect bug specimens. And he talked about, like, they put this big giant bowl at the bottom of the tree. And once they Uh, fogged it, you could just hear, like, ding, 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 of all these bugs. Oh, and they are not small. Landing. They are not small. And they identified over 100 new species out of one tree. Oh. I'm a Southern California boy. We don't have bugs here. I don't bug. (laughs) So I know with 100% certainty there are not bugs on the International Space Station. I might die. Right. But I also might get bit by a venomous snake in the Amazon rainforest and die there. These are the risks. So I will die staring at the earth and having the best view anybody could ever imagine. Oh, see? I knew it. I predicted that you'd be a space station stayer. Yeah, see, I'm I'm like, I'm really claustrophobic. So I I don't think there's any way that I could do it. I don't think there's no, there's Mm. no way... Because imagine your trip up there, dude. Like you're going to be in a in a mm-hmm. in a like a half a phone a tin booth. Can. Oh mm-hmm. my god! With yeah. William Shatner yeah. now, <laughs> yeah. shot yeah. up to the International Space Station. I'm with Dave. I feel like I would. The bugs are real, but I feel like I would fare better in the in the open space with foot rot and leeches and bugs. I don't know. Yeah, the claustrophobia of the International Space Station. I could. I don't know that I could do it. I mean, there is part of me that the introvert in me says that. Mm, a month all by myself. Oh, there's your next mm. vacation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Nicole, thank you so much for your time tonight and coming by the Vet Tech Cafe and such such great perspective on so many different things, really. And um, but <laughs> also, many. but like you know, it's just it's it's fascinating to me that there, while so very different, there are really a lot of parallels in our career and and so many others that we haven't considered. So I, I I just found that fascinating. I thought the discussion was fantastic. So thank you so much for for your time tonight. Yeah, we hope you continue to do great in the lab animal setting and hopefully at some IVEX will run into you sometime oh, and, and actually I get to physically wait. meet. I know. Yeah. And thank you guys for doing this podcast. I feel like Almost every veterinary technician that I know listens to this podcast, and so to, I am humbled to be a guest on here and get to, and get to speak <laughs> with you guys. I'm a big fan, and just thank you so much for what you do. Thanks for giving us a, a format to have these conversations. I think it, it's so important. Absolutely, well, thank you, thank you. All right, caffeinators. Well, we'll uh, we'll see you again soon. And um, after this episode, next time we talk to you, Christmas will be right around the corner. So get ready for yeah, that. Cause this, cause- this is. This is uploading right after Thanksgiving. Yeah, I will have my candy cane coffee ready. Dave, <laughs> you better be ready too. <laughs> Bye, Bye guys. guys. Hello, caffeinators. We wanted to thank Dog Days Consulting for managing our social media and helping with the interior design here at the Vet Tech Cafe. They don't just do social media. They can help you identify your brand through brand coaching. The founder is a CVPM with 15 years experience in veterinary practice management. They are a small business proudly serving the veterinary community, and we are thrilled to be working with them. Check them out at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. Hey, caffeinators. We would like to thank you for listening to the Vet Tech Cafe podcast today. As everybody is well aware by now, we often talk about difficult issues that face our profession. In addition, we chat with colleagues and leaders in our field who have strong opinions of these issues. Those opinions expressed by either Dave or Jeff as the hosts, or those opinions expressed by our guests, are their opinions alone and do not represent any other person, 
business, institution, or any other entity inside or outside of the scope of veterinary medicine. If you have any questions relating to this, please email us at vettechcafe at gmail.com or visit our website www.vettechcafe.com. Lastly, whatever platform you utilize to hear our dulcet tones, please rate and review our podcast and like and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages as well to see what we're up to. From all of us at the Vet Tech Cafe, have yourself a great day.